Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host A. Trunk. Hey folks, it's Eddie Trunk and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome to another week and another episode free every Thursday wherever you get your podcast, Thank you for subscribing and downloading and checking it out, bringing you all sorts of great artist interviews each and every week and excited to be back to bring you another. And this week, another double header as we've got two for you. We'll start out with the legendary Alice Cooper who checked in on my radio show. Uh, this, was, this goes back a little bit, I guess about a month or two ago. Alice, of course, with a brand new album called Detroit Stories that did really, really well for him. And Alice, a guy that is always out and always touring. And of course, as things continue to open, especially here in America, depending upon where you're listening, I can tell you here in the U.S., things are pretty much wide open as far as touring and shows coming back, which is a great thing to see. Alice Cooper already lining up some shows, as a matter of fact, announced a tour with Ace Freely to be going out soon. Uh, that tour was not announced at the time we did this interview. At the time we did the interview with Alice, he was actually in Los Angeles and working on a TV show that is yet to come out that is kind of like a talent show for rock artists. My understanding of it is that at least. So we'll look forward to seeing what's going on there. Alice, always a guy that is always uh, active and busy, even this far into his career. And made a great record that reunited some of the members of the original Alice Cooper band and a love letter to his hometown of Detroit. We talk about all of that with Alice Cooper in interview number one. In interview number two, Maria Brink and Chris Howarth from the band In This Moment join me. And it was great to have Maria on and Chris. I don't think, I believe this was maybe the first time I've ever interviewed them Although I have certainly seen the band and have said hello to them backstage at festivals and whatnot, 
Uh, they've played Rocklahoma in the past and have had a chance to say a quick hello. What's interesting here is uh, both of these artists, incredibly theatrical. If you're looking at a link between them, obviously they come from very, very different histories and generations in music, but there is a link for sure in that they are both very theatrical in their presentations for what they do. In this moment, we get a little update uh, with Maria and Chris, and then, of course, like I said, we'll start with Alice Cooper. And remember, with the uh, the interviews at the time we did these, there were still question marks about touring and what these bands were going to be able to do to play live. So keep that in mind as you hear the interviews. Uh, we now know things are, of course, happening, but back then, there were still a lot of question marks. These aren't that old, but... It's relatively new in the last couple of weeks, of course, that we're seeing so many shows and festivals come back online. Alice, since that interview was done, announced the dates with Ace Freely. And as far as uh, Maria Brink and the In This Moment crew, some shows being announced, if not already soon. So that's all good, good stuff. So we'll get to those interviews here in just a second, back to back here on the Eddie Trunk podcast. Again, all the interviews you hear come to you uh, come to us courtesy of my daily radio show, which is called Trunk Nation. It's heard on Sirius XM volume channel 106, Monday through Friday, live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, nightly re-airs 10 to midnight Eastern, anything you want, anytime you want, available on the Sirius XM app on demand. So you can always grab stuff there as well. If you're only listening to the podcast, you're getting a tiny, tiny fraction of what I do on a daily basis on the radio. So please come on board and listen to the radio show. As a matter of fact, until June 8th, you are getting, uh, there is a free listener deal going on. So they're, they've made the service Sirius XM totally free to anybody in the U.S. now through June 8th. And if you have a radio in your car that's inactive because you don't subscribe, that radio is now on for a few more days. And if you'd like to listen on the app or online, you can do that as well. And I'll give you an address to check out. It's, uh, it's SiriusXM.com backslash volume LF, as in listen free. SiriusXM.com slash volume LF. And if you go to that uh, exact URL, you'll be able to listen for free as well. SiriusXM.com backslash volume LF. And until June 8th, you can hear my show, Trunk Nation, free each and every day. And hopefully you come on, on board and join us. Again, it's 2 to 4 Eastern, every day live. Nightly re-airs 10 to midnight Eastern. And listen anytime you want on the app. Don't forget also Mondays I'm on 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern time on 39 Hair Nation, the terrestrial FM radio show. A lot going on, a lot for you to check out. And, of course, the podcast new here every Thursday. Also, upcoming appearances for me. Talking about things coming back, I've got some stuff to tell you about. Uh, June 11th, I'm in Patchogue, New York, Stereo Garden, hosting a show with Dee Snyder. June 18th, this is a big one. Excited for this. I'm at the Guitar Sanctuary in McKinney, Texas, and I'll be doing a speaking Q&A show at the Guitar Sanctuary just outside of Dallas, June 18th. It is going to be streamed, so anybody anywhere can watch it if you buy a streaming ticket, and if you're in the Dallas area, come on out in person. We'll do some Stump the Trunk. We'll tell some stories. I'll share some photos. 
and free beer for the in-person tickets. You can't go wrong. We'll be a great time there with uh, the folks at the Guitar Sanctuary. I've done stuff there in the past. So much fun. June 18th, some rock stories, Q&A, Stump the Trunk, prizes, free beer. Get your tickets at theguitarsanctuary.com. Just hit events. And if you're not in that area of the country, go to theguitarsanctuary.com, hit events, and you can purchase the streaming ticket to watch and listen to all the action. June 19th, I'm in Oklahoma City, the Diamond Ballroom, hosting two great up-and-coming young rock bands, Dirty Honey and Joyous Wolf. June 25th, Houston, Texas, Warehouse Live, Warrant, Lita Ford, and Bullet Boys. June 26th, I'm back in Tulsa at the IDL Ballroom to host a show with Lita Ford. And also don't forget, 4th of July weekend, I am back hosting the M3 Rock Festival. Can't wait for that. Hope to see you there. And uh, July 11th, Corning, California. Warrant, Winger, Autograph, Skid Row. Uh, The bill in order, Skid Row, Warrant, Winger, Autograph, Skid Row, and Warrant doing a 30th anniversary of their Cherry Pie and Slave to the Grind albums, respectively. And uh, what else can I tell you about? There's so much. It's all on eddytrunk.com, by the way, including links to buy tickets to any of these shows. Fort Wayne, Indiana, July 31st. I am with Warrant and Eric Martin, Sweetwater Pavilion. August 14th, First Energy Park, that metal show reunion show. Uh, It's basically a speaking comedy show, First Energy Park, Lakewood, New Jersey, and looking forward to that, and that's happening August 14th. And last but certainly not least, at least for this round, Rocklahoma usually happens Memorial Weekend. It is now Labor Day weekend. Line up to be announced any day prior Oklahoma. Hope to see you there for that. Back out hosting that one as well. All the links to everything going on at eddytrunk.com. And I hope to see you uh, at those gigs if you're anywhere in that area of the country. And don't forget, you don't have to be in that area of the country if you want to check out the speaking Q&A show on June 18th. That will be a stream as well. All right, let's get to our first interview. It'll be with Alice Cooper and then Maria and and, uh, Chris from In This Moment Second. Some great variety on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Starting next. It's very rare that we do an interview right at the start of the show, but Alice is a busy man, and this is when he had some time to talk with us, and we are going to welcome him to the program right now, it looks like, because I think we have Alice standing by. And if he can hear us, we're going to go right to him right now. I can hear you. Alice, are you there? I can hear you, Eddie. I can hear you, too. Good to see you. Good to hear you. How are you? Thank you. Good. I'm really good, Eddie. Hey, I, uh, you know, this record came out, Detroit Stories, and you and I have done a lot over your releases over the years. And I was like thinking about it the other day and reading all the good things about it and listening to it and enjoying it. And then, of course, seeing all the great success and chart positions, I'm like, I haven't talked to Alice yet for this record. So I put the <laughs> Alice Bat signal up and here you are. Thank you for making the time and congrats on the record. It's got to feel great to see it doing so well. Yeah, well, you know, I try to do uh, a number one record every 48 years. <laughs> my last one was Billion Dollar Babies, and uh, I was totally surprised that this debuted at number one, you know, on rec- uh, just on album sales. So, you know, uh, it kind of proves rock isn't dead, doesn't it? 
<laughs> Look, I don't buy that narrative. I, I, I'm tired of people even asking about that because they just think it's ludicrous. I think people ask about it because it gets press every time people respond to it. But I've never believed that that's the case. And I'm sure you don't either. No, I, first of all, you know, there's kids right now in garages all over the world learning Guns N' Roses and Aerosmith. And, and rock and roll is kind of in an interesting place right now because now rock and roll is on the outside looking in. And it's not the apex of music right now. It's sort of like gives these young bands a chance to be the outlaws again. Because remember when we first started, rock and roll was not. It was sort of, you know, we were, we were the pirates kind of looking in with, with the, at the party with our nose at the window. And then all of a sudden we became mainstream and now we're back to being outlaws again. Yeah, and, and you know, you talk about Billion Dollar Babies being number one and Detroit Stories being number one. Uh, Carmine, a piece I was talking to the other day, he said he saw you in L.A. not too long ago. And he said, yeah, I told Alice, congratulations on the record. He said, but these days you have to sell a lot less, unfortunately, to get to number one than, oh, yeah. than back in the day. So, so that's a bit depressing, but it's nice to know that people are still out there supporting and buying records, especially from classic artists, because you and I both know, unfortunately, there's not a lot of uh, airplay and acceptance usually for new music from artists who have long track records, which is why half of them that I talk to on a regular basis tell me they don't even bother making new music. Clearly, you're not in that camp. You put out a record at least every couple of years. Yeah, I, I still believe you have to make records for your fans. You know, I, I, it's not a matter of are we going to make millions of dollars on this record? It's the fact that you've accumulated millions of fans all over the world that would love to hear new music. So you put it, you write new music and, and you know, how awful it would it be for us or Dylan or any of these artists or McCartney or anybody to say, okay, no more albums, no more writing. They would go, well, that's half, that's my life is writing albums. So, I mean, I'll never quit making albums. I mean, I, I think there's enough fans out there that will, will always, but you know, we're not trying to get rich on, on albums anymore. It's, it's really just to, to, to give the audience new music and to let them know that we're still producing rock and roll. And, and as a lifelong rock fan and supporter, I appreciate that because I love, I think a lot of artists with long histories have made some really great records. The cheap trick guys were on with me a couple weeks ago. They've got yeah. a new record coming out in a week. That is fantastic. And we were talking about that. And I think Robin put it best. He said, that's why we got into doing this, regardless of the reaction to it, as creative people, as writers, as, as, as musicians, the reason why I wanted to get into a band was to make records and tour. He goes, I'm not going to just chop one part of it out. Well, you know, it's not just that, but if you ask Paul McCartney right now, have you written your best song? He would have said, no. He would say, I've not written my best songs yet. That's what keeps you going, is the fact that I don't think I've written my best songs yet. I don't think I've done my best shows yet. And if you if you get to a point of thinking that, you should stop. Because the idea is to, that's what pushes you forward to make your imagination go further, to, to maybe uh, uh, test yourself. You know, I, I mean, every time I go into an album with Bob Ezrin, with anybody, I always think this is going to be the best album I ever made. You know, I mean, if you don't have that attitude, I, I don't know why you're even in the business. So, Alice, let's talk with the time that we have a little bit about this record. I know that you, you know, this is near and dear to you, the storyline, Detroit stories, the guests that you brought into it, some with 
Detroit roots and histories and some not like a guy that's actually going to be on with me tomorrow, Joe Bonamassa, who yeah. guests on this record. Joe's an upstate New York guy. I know Joe quite well. So how did you, how did you end up bringing Bonamassa into this and making him an honorary Detroit guy? That's exactly what we did. You know, there were, uh, I met Joe at the, uh, he came to one of the solid rock uh, uh, Christmas shows and he played with the original band. And it was really kind of touching to me where we're on stage rehearsing and he goes, I'm a little nervous. And I go, about what? And he says, I'm playing with Dennis Dunaway and Neil Smith and Mike Bruce. I'm playing with the original Alice Cooper band. And I kind of went, I, what? <laughs> would you be nervous about that? But then you realize that's his history. Right. I would be nervous if somebody says, OK, you're going to sing with the Yardbirds or you're going to sing with the Who. You know, I would go, wow, you know, I'm nervous, you know, because those are the guys that taught me. But at the same time, he's a real, you know, he's a real student of that era, you know, of that era of, of, of guitar rock music. And uh, and, and it, we just said that, you know, we, we had to do a blues song on the, on the album because we're trying to represent all of Detroit. We did a Motown song, Thousand Dollar High Heel Shoes. You know, which I, I brought in horns and girls and that whole thing to make it. Motown. I love that one. Yeah. And that's a, that's a fun song. And then I said, we got to do a blues song because there's still people living under bridges in Detroit, like every other city. And there's a love affair going on under there that's just as valid as Romeo and Juliet. This guy lives in this box and that girl lives in that box. And he's trying to say, come over to my box, you know, because I'm in love with you. And it's a blues song. Um so I said, well, who better than Steve Hunter and Joe Bonamassa? You know, I mean, you can't get much better than that. And that, and I did give myself uh, a guilty pleasure of being able to play harmonica on that one, harp on that. So. <laughs> and what about the decision to open the record with a song written by Lou Reed? Uh, you open the record with rock and roll and talk a little bit about that because Lou, obviously a quintessential New York guy, but he's, you know, he's got the opening track on the record. One of the few covers on the record too. Well, well, you know, the thing is, as I knew Lou back in the Chelsea hotels days in New York city, you know, and the velvet underground, we knew all those guys there. They all, they did that version of that song in a sort of 1970 New York heroin chic, you know, underground thing. So it's like, Jimmy was just five years old. There was nothing going on at all. That worked so well for that band. Great. You know, Bob and I said, what if we took that song to Detroit, put a V8 engine in it, upped up the horsepower and made it into a, just a monster rocker, you know, cause it, and Lou would not have minded me changing New York to Detroit. I mean, you know, I, I, the uh, Detroit station sounded just as good as New York station. And it maybe it might've been more valid to be honest with you. Cause you know, hard rocks pretty much was Detroit. Uh, and and I, I know him, you know, I knew him very pretty well and he, he would not have minded that. <laughs> and, and Laurie Anderson loved it. She thought it was a really, she said Lou would have loved this version. 
It's it's a great opening track, and it's a great rocker on the record. Again, the album's out now, folks, Detroit Stories from Alice Cooper. I also want to ask you about a track on it, because it, it's and, and I'm sure it sounds to me like you had a lot of fun doing this record with Bob, because even when I go through it, and I've got the CD, which is my favorite thing to have still, and I'm going through the booklet, and I'm reading all the different people that are on the different tracks, it sounds like you, know, you got to really just spread out and do some different things here. And one of the tracks, when I listen listen to it that jumped out at me uh vocally for you that really i thought was different was our love will change the world talk a little bit about that because i almost didn't think that was you singing on that for a second well you know it was one of those songs it was a punk band from detroit yeah outrageous cherry and uh i i said we gotta we have to represent that too and we heard that song and i couldn't get it out of my head I could not get that melody out of my head because what it reminded me of was it's getting better all the time. I used to be bad at my school. Really happy song. Really happy. And then the lyrics are totally subversive. <laughs> the lyrics uh, is, is like the children of the damned singing to us. And they're singing and they're going, if you could just kind of get out of our way, you know, our love will change the world. Uh, you'll get used to it, you know, somehow. You'll get very throwaway, you know. And I love the idea, the juxtaposition of these really kind of snotty new kids telling us to get out of the way, you know, because their love is going to change the world. And it, to me, it was a comical song, I thought, you know. Uh, but the vocal on that, yeah, I could do I could do Beatles stuff, you know. I mean, I, 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 I did a, a track on McCartney's album. I did Eleanor Rigby. You know, and uh, and uh, and in the movie Sergeant Pepper, I did uh, because the John Lennon kind of song. But I love the idea that that we were representing also that 1980s, 90s punk uh, pop thing that was going on in Detroit. Also, so you've got hard rock, you've got Motown, you've got blues, you've got punk, you've got especially hard rock. That's that's actually the the point of the spear there is, is, uh, is hard rock, guitar-driven hard rock. But that song, I know everybody talks about that song, and sometimes I say, there's always one song on an album that doesn't belong. And this <laughs> is that song. <laughs> and it's getting played like crazy in England. You know, BBC that right? loved that song. Yeah. See, was there ever, uh, like, like, again, because, and I'm sure you had fun doing this with, with the, uh, you know, the original guys and the different people and the mix of other people's material and your own material and all that. But was there ever a time where you said, or Bob said, I don't know if we should do that or we should go down that road because that's not necessarily Alice? Were you ever concerned about that? Well, you know, we, we talked about that. And at the same time, I said, you know, all we need is Alice doing his take on it. Alice's take on a blues song, it would be different than Paul Butterfield's, you know. Uh, my take on a, on a, you know, on any of these songs, you know, a song, a punk song would, even though I kind of feel comfortable doing that, a song like uh, Go Man Go, you know, telling a story. Uh, I, I just feel when you throw Alice in there, he's a bit of a mimic, you know, he can, he can do all of that stuff in his own sense of humor and in his own sense of uh, irony. Uh, so, you know, I didn't know. We didn't really 
think we were going in any direction that wasn't really ours. Maybe our love will change the world was one that we thought about and went, this sticks out like a sore thumb. Good. Leave it on. <laughs> you, you also have, uh, when you talk about Detroit, you've got, you've had, you had to have representation from the MC five on here and you do Oh yeah, in more than one way. So talk a little bit about that. Cause I know Wayne's on the record and then you covered an MC five song as well. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think you could, the two most Detroit people I know on the planet, uh, is Johnny B you know, the drummer from uh, Mitch Ryder. I mean, he's, he is the consummate Detroit drummer. He is a street guy. I mean, you can't get more Detroit than him and Wayne Kramer. Those two guys have done everything that a Detroiter could do. They bleed Detroit. So having those two guys on the record gives it that flavor. And there's something that's very interesting about this album. When I got that band in the studio, and they were playing these hard rock songs, there was a certain flavor of R&B in it. And I think that's just in the DNA of being from Detroit. These guitar players are playing great rock and roll stuff, but you could feel that there was a little bit of R&B going on in that, in that playing. Normally I would say, oh no, we don't want that. On this album, I said, yeah, we want all that. You know, Bob and I would listen to each other and went, yeah, no, 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 go for that. Don't change a thing because I wanted it to have every bit of authenticity of Detroit on it. And you, like I said, you can't get more Detroit than those two guys. Uh, Wayne is a better guitar player now than he was then in the MC five, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to me, those, those, that really added the authenticity of Detroit. Um, Johnny B is just one of those. If you listen to his drums on, uh, you know, on the opening track, I mean, geez, He's as good as any as he's ever played, you know. So, I mean, that's that was the whole idea. Then we got in the studio and I said, we can't layer this record. We can't make this record like Nightmare, where we would layer this because it was a production record. uh, Nightmare was. I said, we've got to let this band play live in the studio. So what we would do is we taught them the songs and then I'd sing a, you know, work vocal with them while they're doing it. And we did everything live in the studio. So those tracks you're hearing are, you know, I mean, right, uh, right, coming dead alive from the thing, because that's the way that was the greatest feel. These guys play like that. And I said, man, we don't want to lose that. And same with the original band. The original band played all live in the studio. Well, I mean, when I'm, if people watching the video see me nodding my head ferociously because I wanted to bring that up. One of the things that jumped out to me immediately about hearing this record was the sound of it, the feel of it, the warmth of it. It felt like a record that could have been recorded in 1972 in the way records were recorded then, which I miss very much. But everything breathes. Everything feels live sonically. It just sounds so great. Uh, so that was definitely a conscious thing. It sounds like you went for. Oh, really? And Bob, you know, Bob Ezrin is a genius when it comes to that. You know, I mean, he's, he, he can do this, the things that I don't know how to do in the studios. You know, he can make that, exactly what you just said. He can get that sound. I could, I could talk about that sound, but I wouldn't be able to get it in the studio right. without, without Bob Ezrin and knowing just what to do, you know. And, and it's all subtle things like uh, don't use that guitar, use this guitar. Um, don't use that amp, put that amp on this thing. And it, and pretty soon you've got that sound and, and that, that, you know, 
that, that would take me a week to do, to get those sounds. But with Bob, he's done it so much, he knows how to do that. And, and you know, I was very proud of uh, also the original band on the, on the album. Neil, Dennis, and Mike still play as well as they've ever played. I mean, they're, they're, they haven't lost any chops at all. We direly miss Glenn. Yeah. Glenn was our Keith Richards, you know, and there was nobody that could really play like Glenn. And um, we got a letter from one guy that kept calling Bob Ezrin from England. And he says, uh, I learned how to play listening to Pretties for You <laughs> and Easy Action, which was all Glenn. Now, I don't know anybody that ever tried to play like Glenn because he was, he was like Sid Barrett. He, he was different than anybody else. And so when we did uh, Social Debris, who are we going to have play lead on this? Bob says, let's send it to this guy because he can't play Glenn. <laughs> and the guy did it. The guy sent back the track and we all went, yeah, that's how Glenn would have played it. <laughs> so you didn't know the guy at all and Bob didn't no. know him and it was li literally like a cold call and you used him on the record. I've never met him and uh, <laughs> at this time. But the fact that he learned how to play guitar like Glenn made all the sense in the world to send him the track and see what he could do with it. And when he sent it back, we all looked at each other and went, yeah. <laughs> what a dream for him. I mean, I'm sure he just had to pinch himself that like, that's an unbelievable story of, well, of all these. The album, yeah. Yeah. All these people, like you grew up a huge fan of an artist and you just, you know, make to send in a random note. And the next thing you know, you're literally on the record. That's incredible. Well, first of all, you know, all of his friends that are musicians are probably going, you want to sound like Glenn Buxton? <laughs> 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 There's another guy that guests on this record who's not only not from Detroit, he's not even from the U.S., and I'm curious how Larry Mullen Jr. from U2 ended up playing drums on a track. Well, Larry, you know, played all the drums on uh, Paranormal right. uh, on the last album uh, because Bob, you know, Bob just said he, I've never had a drummer ever that asked me to see the lyrics. Drummers just say, what is the feel of this song? What's the pocket here? You know, what, what are we going for? Larry would say, let me see the lyrics because that's how he plays. He interprets the lyrics. That's what he does with you too. And we went, yeah, okay, great. And then Bob just said for this song, Larry Mullins. And I went, yeah, great. You know, um, we call them honorary Detroiters. You know, I mean, you <laughs> two was a, was a pub band. They were a great rock and roll pub band and they did a lot of Alice Cooper songs in their early days in the pubs in Ireland. So, you know, in fact, in some of their shows, even now they finish the show with schools out, you know? Oh, wow. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it, there's a kindred spirit there and Larry was great, man. You know, Larry's just uh, one of those great, you can really tell it's him when he's playing. He's got a certain style that's just totally his. And the record closes with a guy, when you talk about Detroit, there was no way you couldn't include something from him, and that's Bob Seeger. And you you close the record with the, the Seeger tune, East Side Story. Not not a well-known Seeger song, not one of his hits, certainly. What's the origins of that, Alice? Well, first of all, I was from the East Side. I was from East Detroit, you know. And so when I saw Bob Seeger on his last tour, and he came in to play in Phoenix. Great. I mean, he had everything up there. He had an orchestra. He had everything going on. And I told him, I said, you know, we have a lot in common. I said, first of all, we we're both cross country runners. I didn't know he was a cross country runner in school. And I said, and 
I'm doing a song, uh, one of your songs, and he figured I was going to do Get Out of Denver or some real screaming rocker and song. And I went, we're doing East Side Story. And he goes, what? <laughs> you know, like, why? And I said, well, first of all, I love the story. I love the storyline. And I can make that storyline come alive a different way than you did. And at the same time, you know, I'm from the East Side. That's my home. East, East Detroit is, is my home. And that's what this song's about. So it connected with me a whole bunch of ways. And then when I listened to the lyrics, you know, I said, OK, I've got to make this guy come alive and I've got to make his girlfriend say, no, no, don't go. You know, whatever. whatever. And then the fact, of course, the guy gets killed. It, it's a great rock and roll story. And, uh, and Bob had an idea for how to make it different from his version. You know, even though it was dun 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 it was a storyline kind of song, you know. And I just said, Yeah, I I let's do that. Let's let's do that song. Well, I'll tell you, it's uh it's a fantastic record and I congratulate you on it. Detroit Stories is out now from Alice Cooper. I know we have limited time, so before I let you go, obviously all these artists are in the same boat, all looking for hoping for the opportunity to be able to play live. I'm sure you'd love to break some of this stuff out live with the band. Uh, there is some stuff starting to happen. There are some shows starting to pop up, various festivals and things like that. Where are you at with being able to go out and play live again? We can't wait <laughs> to get back on stage. I mean, between us and the vampires, you know, everybody's sitting there going, just give us the go light. We're ready to go right now. But they probably would do it without rehearsal. You know, they would just say, let's just go play. And I, and I get that. I mean, you, you really do suffer from uh, withdrawal from that adrenaline rush every night of getting on stage. I did that for 55 years. And all of a sudden, the rug's pulled out from under you. And you, it's a year without being on stage. And you kind of have to get used to that. Because, you know, the end of the day is the adrenaline rush. It's the high point of the day getting out in front of that audience. And two weeks off is kind of a little bit, gets a little bit edgy. A year off is something you have to really learn how to do. I mean, you know, I spent all my time writing. I spent all my time doing Zooms, getting in touch with everybody. How, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? And everybody is just ready to play, man. We just can't wait to get back on both, both bands are just dying to get back out on the road. So as soon as they give us the, I've already had COVID and I've already had the two shots. So I'm like a walking antibody, you know, right now. And I think I, I talked to England the other day. I think half of the population of England is already inoculated. Mm -hmm. I mean, by the time summer comes around, I think 90% of the planet's going to be inoculated. So why not do concerts? Show up, show your inoculation thing. Yeah, I had it. And let's go. Yeah, I think that's where we're headed for sure. And I actually just got my second shot, so I'm good to go as well. It's nice yeah. to feel that way. It's nice to feel like, I mean, it's such it was such a relief to get that second shot and be like, yeah. All right, man. Now, like, what what do we got? Let's go. I'm ready to do it. And uh, same with me. I mean, I don't. I'm not on the road nearly as much as a touring rock band, but I'm out there quite a bit and have been over the last ten years. And all that stopped for me too. So I'm itching and looking forward to doing some things. And I feel the same way. I didn't realize that you had had COVID though. H how did you do with it? Were you were you really ill from it? 
I had it uh, right at Christmas, right after, right at the end of November. And um, the funny thing you were, is- my, You were an early my, adopter. You, you, you set the tone, right? You, you got oh out ahead God. of it, Alice. <laughs> I never had, I didn't have any of the taste or smell problem. I didn't have any of the congestion in the chest. I was exhausted. I was just, I felt like I, I had been run over by a truck for about three weeks. I felt like that. And um, I lost my appetite. I couldn't eat. I just had no appetite at all. I lost like 15 pounds. So I was on the COVID diet and I had a hard time sleeping because what happens is you either get really tired or you get speeding. Your brain won't let you go to sleep at night. So I had both of those at the same time. And finally that, that wore off and then I was just tired. But every day I felt maybe 2% better a little bit better. And then another 2% to the point where I finally got back to what I consider normal, but it's a form of pneumonia. So, mm -hmm. I mean, pneumonia, it takes a long time to get back on your feet after pneumonia. So it took a good three months before I was ready to go back out and, you know, get back in the public and start doing things again. I wouldn't even do Zooms. I was, I just, I mean, I'd look like this, you know, but Cheryl and I had it at the same time. So at least we could commiserate. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's uh, well, I'm glad you're both okay and no residual effects, no lingering wow. things because you do did, hear some did you of that. you have a reaction after your second shot? You know, I did. Uh, I got the Moderna, I just got it Saturday, the second shot, and oh, okay. everyone said the second shot was going to be way worse. And I actually prepared even for this radio show on Monday to have a contingency if I couldn't do it if I wasn't yeah. feeling well because just like the virus itself. You hear everything from people who had no real issues to yeah. I was knocked down for a couple of days. So first shot, I had the sore arm, which was way worse oh, yeah. on the first shot than the second. You do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then the second shot, uh, which I just had, I got it Saturday night. Sunday night, I started feeling a little feverish and achy and tired. Went to bed, woke up Monday, and ever since I've been fine and back to normal. So I really didn't do too bad. I had about 24, 36 hours not feeling great, but otherwise I'm good. And I've had the shingles vaccine, and I, the and the uh, res, and the the uh, reaction to that actually was worse than than this for me. But look, I, I I'm sure you agree. A, a day or two of discomfort is worth it if you know you can't get COVID or you can't get shingles or whatever you're trying to vaccinate against. Well, what, what, it, what it means is that your system is working. If, the, right. if you get that reaction, it means that your immune, immune system is, is doing what it's supposed to do. I, I had my shot, second shot. And first of all, I hate shots. I hate needles more than anything else. And I never felt either shot. It was the most painless thing I'd ever felt in my life. And the second shot, 12 hours later, I went, oh, man, this is nothing. I got the chills for about two hours. And I mean, I was under my blankets like that just for two. And then it was gone. That was it. So, you, you know, I, I got to tell you, I know you got to go. I got to tell you a quick, funny story, though, about the whole thing with the shot. So when I went and got the first one and I don't I don't have a big issue with shots or needles, just get it done. I look away, whatever. But when I went and got the first one, the, the woman said, OK, you're done. And I said, wow, you did it. I didn't even feel anything. And she said to me, she told me a funny story. She said, you know, people were so are so amped up about getting the shot that the news coverage on TV 
has shown when the vaccine started, the, the, the camera angles, and they were all very dramatic, like here's this needle and they're zooming in and the people doing it since they knew they were being filmed made a bigger deal out of it. And they're like, nobody nobody even gives shots like that. They go, that, that was just a media thing because people were, the, the camera was on somebody giving a shot so that one, the person administering it made it into a bigger deal visually. Yeah. But they and said the it really is one. no different than anything. <laughs> it was the funny thing about it was I was watching the people getting the shot and I didn't even see a grimace. I didn't no. see one even even that. And I went, how are these people not reacting as an old lady getting a shot? And she didn't even right. go like that. And I said, man, am I that big of a wimp? You know, <laughs> <laughs> Well, your your aversion to needles. I just thought back to something from about uh, fifteen years ago. We shot a segment of that metal show on your stage when yeah. you played in New Jersey, and I it's it, it aired in the show. But there's a moment in it where you take a giant needle and jam it in my stomach. You come yes. running across the stage. So maybe that's where your issue with needles came from, Alice. I from was your show. my fears. I I decided <laughs> if we're going to do an Alice Cooper show, what is Alice most afraid of? shots so we built this gigantic hypodermic needle and it took three <laughs> nurses to come out to give me this shot and i said let's just face this thing okay so yeah that was one of my great horrors in life is but now i'm not now i really don't have a, a problem with it you know listen it's always a pleasure i know you got to go i i uh, always enjoy talking to you congratulations on detroit stories i hope to see you soon i hope to see the band soon hope to see everybody soon that we're back out playing and you guys are out doing your thing and i thank you for the time always great to see you always great to see you and you're glad you got your shots so good we can hang yeah, you too you too for <laughs> sure yeah absolutely we will do that take care alice thank you so much thank you bye-bye all right, there he is, the great Alice Cooper, everybody. Detroit Stories is out now. Be sure to check it out. Yeah, one of the best guys you could ever talk to. You know, people ask me all the time about artists that I love talking to or who are the best interviews or who are the best people. You know, Alice immediately comes to mind always. Just, just the best, the best. Thanks to Alice. Always great to visit with him. Check out Detroit Stories. It's out now. Next up, we will get into a conversation with Maria and Chris from In This Moment. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection ice cream. Extraordinary dairy. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. 
Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Eddie Trunk with you. And now let's visit with Maria and Chris from In This Moment. This interview also took place probably a couple months ago. Great to check in with both of them. Here's our conversation. Maria, Chris, how are you? Hello there. How are you? I'm up, great. Eddie? How are you doing? Hey, Chris. Good. I think the last time I saw the both of you, we were in a in a windstorm of dust somewhere backstage at Rocklahoma. And you had your, yes. your camping, your, your big tent set up behind the bus holding court. Uh, <laughs> we, we hope those days come back. Right, Maria? Hopefully we get to be back at shows like that again soon. Yes, t- totally. And it was so nice to talk to you again today. And we cannot wait to have a wind be stuck in a windstorm in a parking lot somewhere <laughs> and the show waiting for the show to happen. Like we're, we're counting it down, but it's looking, it's looking pretty good and promising. You know, it's funny because I am so programmed and used to artists coming on my show because they've got something to promote, you know, and I understand it's a record, a tour, a stream or something like that. So I was under the assumption that there was this new in this moment product and then I realized, like, oh, no, there's, it's basically still the cycle for Mother, which is about a year old. And I guess yeah. that's kind of happened for a lot of artists because you really couldn't yeah. do all that much the, the last year. Right, Chris? Yeah, man, we had it all planned out. We were literally getting ready to go to the airport to get on a plane to go start rehearsing for the tour to support Mother that was to come out during the tour. And once this all hit, we were like, what are we going to do? Do we release the album? You know, do we not release the album? Do we wait? And we just felt like during this time and everyone's at home, like, let's give some music out. And like you said, it turns out now we're sitting here a year later and the album cycle is kind of drawing to a close for for Mother. We never even got to play it. So it's definitely (laughs) strange times, you know. Maria, how do you feel about the whole thing? Do you do you feel like the record that you maybe have to reintroduce the record at some point? I mean, in this moment, as some pretty passionate fans, so your core base certainly knows it's there. But do you, do you feel like uh, be, because of the lack of touring and the lack of promotion opportunities that that uh, maybe kind of have to give it another push at some point? Yeah, I mean, we we fortunately when all of this was happening, we had a really a strong tour that was like almost sold out, get ready to happen. And fortunately we were able to keep uh, that tour and the whole package, which we're moving. We're about to announce uh, it's going to be happening soon. So fortunately we have this whole tour booked already and we are so excited to be, you know, getting back out there and, and having this all finally, you know, happening. And I think everything happens for a reason. We wanted to release it. So people had, people needed like we all needed some sort of like something to focus on movies, music, something to keep our heads out of the TV. We felt like it was a zombie apocalypse happening. It's like nobody knew anything. So we just wanted to give people something like that. And then, you know, we were nominated for a Grammy um, with our single. So I think it was all like, that was meant to be for sure. (laughs) Right. And and like, so it's like, we're happy did it. And now on this next tour, we're getting ready to do, we're about to bring out all those songs it's been a year. No one's been able to hear it live. So I'm excited for people to get that rush. And I think it's going to these shows are going to be like the most insane shows we've ever went to. I feel like people are going to just be ravenous. You know, what's interesting, last time I saw you play, which would have been whenever you played Rocklahoma last, because I host that every year. 
And I remember watching you and you opened with the Steve Miller cover of Fly Like an Eagle. And that's, mm-hmm. of course, the opening track on Mother. So you were actually performing that for a while before you recorded it, right? Right. We were doing that song and we were doing a few other songs. So we got we were we got to do a few that was Chris hates when I do that, when I play the songs before we release the album. But I'm happy we did a few things. Yeah, it worked out. At least we got to get get a little bit out there already. And um, and I, and I'm you know when we come back, we get to, we're going to bring more now. Now that the whole thing's released and stuff like that, though. Yeah, I thought that was incredibly cool when you did that, and obviously all the theatrics yeah. and the way you presented it. I was just like, wow, I. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm old. I was like, I know this song. <laughs> I don't know how many people in the audience knew the original song. I'm like, this is a really cool version of this song. This is a really different take on it. But Chris, you'd prefer to keep everything under wraps until it's like out, right? Kind of. You know, I've always been that way. Maria's always been the one to like, this song is so awesome. We have to play it for people right now. So we're always like, kind of like trying to find the balance between that. But yeah, I like to hold it back until they've heard the album version. Then they get to go be surprised to hear the, the live version versus just a you know their first taste of a new song being a live version but you know it is what it is no yeah. you know you're he's usually right about it like we've done it before and people just don't understand and or sometimes they love it but you know sometimes they hit or miss but i think i just get excited for uh new material after you play the same material you know over and over and over it, it's exciting to create like a whole new scene and look and the movement and that for a new song, I get all excited about it. <laughs> well, in the case of Fly Like an Eagle, I mean, it's a classic song, so I wasn't sure if it was mm-hmm. just like something you were doing to set the tone and open the show or if you had actually recorded it. And then, of course, when the record came out, I'm like, oh, you guys actually recorded it and opened the record with it as well. So it, it right. made a lot of sense to me at that point. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me when I think about the career of In This Moment because in roughly 13 years, you guys have released correct me if I'm wrong, Mother is the seventh record, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. that's that's really prolific. I mean, that's that's a little more than, uh, that's an album every like 18 months to two years with my bad math. Uh, that That's pretty amazing. Talk about the, the uh, you know, the commitment to continue to be prolific like that and write music and release music that consistently. Maria, you want to go or you want me to go? I should have told you which one, but go ahead, Marie, you can take it. Yeah, I can go first. I think we just honestly, you know, some of our, we're this, the little engine that could is, is in this moment. We, you know, I think when we first started off, we didn't really have our sounds yet. We didn't, I mean, personally, I think we were kind of figuring out who we were as artists, which we're still always doing. Right. And, but I mean, like, you know, we didn't quite sink into something like, like that's it yet. And I think that, so it's just like a lot of self-discovery of us. That, so we just kept having a truck on and, you know, once an album cycle was done, you know, you're kind of sitting home and like, that's your job and that's your work. So we're just kind of like, I guess we got to do it again. And then slowly it just started blooming and, and slowly, you know, and some of like our peers will like zoom by us. But then we slowly keep going and then we slowly come back up next and we're like, hey, what's up? You know, like, so it's taken us a little bit of uh, time. But I think that that slow and steady built a strong foundation. So I think that's good. What do you think, Chris? (laughs) Well, I was just say just to add to that, every time you finish an album cycle or finish an album, 
everything kind of dies down. You know, people still like you yeah. and they still like the music, but you want to give them something new and fresh to just get those fires lit up again. And we've been in a constant yeah. cycle of finish an album, sitting at home for a month. Okay, we got to start writing another one. Let's go. And that's just what we've been doing. All right. So here's the logical question. And Marie, you can take this first. I sitting home for a month, you start thinking about writing a record. You've been basically sitting home for over a year now, like every other artist. What's been going on as far as writing? Because I've been talking to artists who have written like, you know, two records or have two more records in the can that nobody knows about because they've had for the first time in their life, they've had all this time sitting around at home. So have has there been a lot of stuff done already, you know, for a potential another record already? They, there is conversations happening right now and music being made. Yes, we both we had time to finally like build music studios <laughs> in our houses. I think we're on the same page as everybody else, um, and we've had to, time to empower our business in a lot of ways. Learn a lot of the business side that we didn't always typically understand and know. Really diving into the whole business as a whole. So I think we've been working really hard to empower the band a lot. I have. We have some cool collaborations that we're doing right now, and we are starting to write new music. Yes, yeah, so it's definitely happening. Um, and I think just all that time went by, and everybody's feeling so much right now. I think we all have so much emotion, and so it's the per- perfect time, for, I think, for all artists to probably be, or painters or whoever it is, to be expressing themselves because they're filled with all kinds of stuff. That's an artist's dream. <laughs> they want a broken heart or some sort of tragedy. tragedy. Same with, like, poets you know to like do good art <laughs> we all have it we definitely have definitely fuel for the art yeah it <laughs> seems it, it seems like it I, i've told a lot of uh, the audience um, i said if you have a favorite band and you want new music and been waiting for new music from that band and you don't get it now or in the next you know, next six months or so they're just probably not up for making new music because it's really unless you're doing streaming it's really all you could do i mean that's that's really so so many musicians found themselves in this really unique position the last year yeah. because your your home it, whether it's reconnecting with your family for better or worse <laughs> you know depending upon your situation or or just um you know having the time to write and record everybody's navigated this in a, in a different way did you guys go down the streaming route i don't know if i missed it cuz there's been so many but did you do a live stream chris no, we actually no. talked about it a lot at the beginning, and we were going back and forth on some ideas, and then we just decided we're such a visual band, and we we want to present everything in such a way that we just didn't feel like the cubes on the screen was going to work for in this moment. So we, you know, we started looking at other ways to do it, you know, st- content. You know, we also did have the album that was out, and we had a couple of videos come out throughout the break on that. So that kind of like help satiate our need to, to to do stuff for a little bit but we're now at that point where we got to be on tour things are, are kicking up it's been a full year it's like there's no more waiting around and we don't we don't still don't want to do a live stream because we know we're going on tour we feel it in our gut you know this this fall and this summer fall you know? yeah yeah i mean i think that the streaming stuff has worked for some but i understand you you not feeling like it would it would work for in this moment because having seen the band and anybody that has knows it's, it's so much about a vibe and the visual element of it, as well as the music that I, I don't know, although there's been some really cool groundbreaking things that have been done with streaming in terms of settings. I mean, Corey Taylor going into the forum, what code orange did, there's been some really cool stuff, 
But it, it's still there, nothing. I, I think it's all, unfortunately, it, to me, just a Band-Aid until you get to the real thing. And, Maria, it sounds yeah. like you agree. Oh, I agree. I mean, they did it the right way. Like, you know, if we could have made all those things happen and, and stuff, some people were super high-risk COVID in our in our circle um, is before the vaccinations were starting and stuff like that. So we just were so nervous to, you know, for us, our, we're also spread out to have at risk everybody and kind of get. So it was just so delicate. But the people who did do it, like the references you just made, they, they did it right. So we just figured if we're not going to be able to do it in that way, you know, we're trying to connect with the fans and, and do it in different ways. But some people have done it really amazing. I agree. Maria, where we're, was... And- was- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no I was going to say, and I'm shy. I'm not the, like, not not shy. I guess a little shy, but, like, the live streaming or just, like, on my Insta- in my socials. Like, I don't really post a lot of live or just, like, a lot of things myself. So I try to be a little bit more, like, you know, uh, behind the behind the behind the scenes. I'm serious. I hide. Yes. <laughs> well, Maria, was the, was the, um, the game plan – for in this moment from the beginning from when you you guys first you know came together was it always uh, the theatrical stuff was that something that you you had in your mind right from the start no i think i mean i probably would have always loved to do that but it wasn't in my mind in the beginning um when we first started you know like i said we were really just kind of all figuring ourselves out we just had like super, super long songs, which some of them were really cool, but there was like eight different parts and like so many different things. And we weren't um, really evolved as like songwriters. And, you know, as far as like the whole visual, we were just like jamming in like small little bars in our van. Like we weren't at that capability or anything like that to do what we started doing. And then before our blood album, our whole band kind of fell apart and a bunch of the guys quit and our managers dropped, our manager dropped us. And so it was a liberating time for the band. We, it was like a, okay, either we break up and we're just at our low or we like, we, you know, or we just like let go, be free and re re do anything we ever wanted to do now, like do or die moment. And we did our blood album and that's when everything for our career shifted. And I felt liberated visually and Chris just surrendered to it all. When I told him, Hey, I'm going to, you know, performing artists to, you know, do choreographing with me on stage and start designing the show. He's like, what the hell? And in the past, he probably, (laughs) it'd be a big fight with me and him, but we were kind of at this liberating moment where he was like, you know, go ahead, just do it. I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but just do it let's go for it and everything i, when I saw a picture of, of stuff of the dancers and her and i, I knew it was going to be good and it, it, i always loved kiss so it was like let's go well yeah i mean you 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 know everybody is the, the whole band is in on it in a big way obviously marie is yeah. you know, levitating and whatever else is going on there with the <laughs> smoke and the dancers and all that but the you know the whole band i mean you 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 really uh is everybody really embraced it, Chris, as far as yourself now at this point? I imagine there's festivals when it's 120 degrees and you're like, I got to put, I'm not, I don't want to put this makeup on. I don't want to do this. But, but do you, for the most part, is everybody on board with it? Dude, everyone's so on board with it. I mean, we're like a bunch of girls. No offense to girls, <laughs> but we just, the, the makeup time. I mean, our, our guitar player, Randy, hi, Randy. He'll spend a good hour <laughs> you, getting ready for the show. You know, like to make sure his hands, like he does his hands like skeletons, 
He'll make sure they look perfect. Because we, we grew up loving Kiss and Motley Crue and Wasp and all these cool theatrical bands. So for us, it's super exciting to have the, that time to get ready and put on the makeup, even if it's hot. You know, you go find a shower or somebody to wash it off. But it, it's, it's super fun. And we all really embraced it. Once, once it started flowing and we started seeing that people yeah. really like it, you know, and it carries the band to a different place, it, it, it's been great. Yeah, we love it. You got to admit, though, you, there must be times you're at these festivals and it's 120 and you look at a band going on stage in jeans and a ripped T-shirt and being like, damn, I wish I could do that. Oh, dude, you're, it's true. It's true, man. Maybe I won't put For me, too. I'm like blindfolded up there, 20 feet high. I'm all hot and sweating. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to fall off this thing. You know, you know, you mentioned uh, it, it, things that come to mind. Like I, I know, uh, you know, Ace Freely and I are, are very close speaking to Kiss and he's not in the band anymore. And when he plays, he just goes up and however he's dressed. And he always talks to me about what, what a, what a relief that is. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and a guy, a guy that you actually get had guest on one, on one of your songs a few years ago, Rob Halford, the, uh, mm-hmm. Judas Priest, for for my 25th year in radio, which was 13 years ago, believe it or not, uh, Judas Priest played a free private show for me. And that's insane to wow. say, but it happened wow. in New York in Times wow. Square. So they came out and they, they, I said, guys, you know, I'm just honored you're doing this. Don't, you know, don't worry about the show or anything. So they're like, oh, great. So, so Rob came out in, in like just, you know, jeans and a t-shirt. And, uh, yeah. and then a couple days later, they played the local shed in New Jersey and it was in August and I'm standing on the side of the stage watching and he's in the leather jacket down to his knees yeah. and the leather pants. And it's like a hundred <laughs> degrees. And he walks over to me in the middle of the set and he goes to me, oh, Eddie, I'd give anything to be able to <laughs> wear what we wore <laughs> at your party the other night. And I was like, yeah, I feel for you pals. The, like the, the sweat is dripping off. So it is a commitment when you make that move, like you guys have done. It is. And you're shortchanging it, it people is a you don't give it to him. But right. we love Ron, too, by the way. He is such, a, such an amazing man. And we were such an honor to work with him, too. And But it is magic when you see him come out on that. Like, I'm sure even the motorcycle, what a pain in the butt and all that stuff. Doesn't always want But when people see the leather and the motorcycle, they go crazy, you know. So That's awesome. This is part of it all. But and the bands that didn't do it, and that's not part of their gig at all, Sometimes I envy them, though, because I'm like, you know, right. I love that we're theatrical and what we've done. But sometimes I just see they could just go out there and be like, I'm like, oh, that looks so nice. So, you know, but who knows? Maybe we'll shift and not be as theatrical one day, too. No rules, right? Yeah, well, you've yeah. always been chameleons in, in terms of that. I think it's right. always cool to keep people on their toes. So, so you never know. <laughs> and, and, and Maria, one other thing for you. You know, I'm curious how you feel about where women are in the world of heavy music, because from my vantage point, being out there at so many shows in normal times, festivals, events, whatever, I I think it's been great to see. And I've talked to Taylor Momsen and Lizzie Hale about this and, and Lita Ford and many others that to me, there seems to be great strides, not only with women being in bands, whether they're guitar player, drummer, Mm -hmm. front woman, whatever, but also when I see the crews, it used to be like you go to a show and and if there was a woman on the crew, she was in the wardrobe or makeup department and that was it. Now you see them as tour managers in every Mm -hmm. capacity. I think it's wonderful. Do Do you see a lot of walls, even in the time you've been in the business, being broken down? 
Oh, absolutely. I think you're 100% right. And from when I started, like, doing our, like, OzFest, where like, the crowds were, like, you know, aggressive and chanting, show us your shit. Like, and then and there wasn't women around all the time. It was very, very masculine. I think I've seen a complete shift. There was women then, for sure, but just not as much. And I've seen a complete shift in all of those departments that you just said. And touring, people love when they tour with us, too, because half of more than half of our crew is our half of our whole camp is women and it's like so rare here in like the rock world you come in and like oh, there's so many uh women everywhere so it's and we all and it's like smells better than it normally does um <laughs> but um i think <laughs> but i think that um it's happening 100 we're seeing tour managers all over that are women we're seeing in all the in all the ways photographers every all over the place yeah, yeah, it's really it's really cool to see. So, Chris, before we uh, have to go, what what can you tell fans listening about touring? Because it's you know it seems like now there's places where we're seeing people do some shows. We're starting to see some people route like twenty date tours through certain states. I know certain states are still a question mark. What 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 is your game plan? What is the band's game plan to be able to go do shows? Will they be sporadic, or do you actually have a tour routed right now? You were supposed to go out with Black Veil Brides, I think, opening, right? Is that still the plan? Yeah, like Maria had said earlier, we the tour that we had in 2020 is still we've managed to keep it together with those guys. We've actually moved it four times throughout this pandemic, and it's now set in the fall. It's everyone's. From our side of it is saying 100% it's going to happen. We've already had offers and stuff for summer shows, and I know a lot of bands are going out in the summer and doing some socially distanced type shows and and some other stuff. But what we're hearing is 100% capacity, uh, you know, for these shows. And I've also seen a lot of other bands putting up, you know, announcing the tours, which we are also going to be be doing in the next couple of weeks. Um, It's all together and ready to go, and we're we're super stoked about it. And Everything I'm hearing is saying it's going to happen. So you'll be seeing an announcement for a tour from us coming up in the next couple of weeks. And it's a big, juicy one. It's like nine and a half weeks long. Oh, wow. So you're talking, and and when will you start? You're talking the fall, Maria? We're talking, yeah, the fall. Or Chris? Yeah. Yeah, it's like late summer, early fall. Yeah, that seems to be the timetable where people feel like shows are going to be able to happen at least to a certain capacity. I think everybody is looking at next year for the really big stuff, but certain things that's, that seems to be the timetable, even for a couple festivals, like speaking of rock home, I do that every year. They move that to labor day weekend and they're saying that's a good chance that's going to happen outside in Oklahoma. So, so I think that's been the target time frame for, for all, for everybody really trying to go out at, at that level. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, everyone's yeah, everyone's exactly. aiming for the same same target, and it's it's looking very po- more positive than it's looked in a long time. So we're clearly yeah. crossing our fingers. Right. It's going to be real yeah. crowded out there when the floodgates open, don't you think? It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, we're but like it's exciting our, time. We're booking into twenty. We're booking all next year right now because it's going to be like, yeah, everyone's going to be trying to tour at the same time for sure. Have you been able to get vaccinated, either of you yet? I have had one dose, yeah. and I'm getting my second one in a couple of weeks. And where do you live, Chris? Are you in California? In, I'm in Cali, yeah, San Diego. What about you, Maria? I'm still not eligible. I'm a New Yorker, and uh, just not in the age group. They got to go lower. But I'm waiting for them. I signed up for all the stuff and all that. 
Yeah, I didn't know you were from New York. I didn't know you were in New Yorker. New York mm-hmm. City or upstate? Yeah, upstate. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I was I was lucky enough to get it, and I'm getting my second dose this Saturday, actually. So it feels oh, great God. to feel like you've got, uh, you know, some normalcy coming. And I'm already lining up a bunch of stuff on the road too. But it just feels so good to, you know, know that after Saturday, about a week after Saturday, I'm I'm pretty much good to go. It's a big, big exhale, and I just got l- lucky because I don't think a lot of people realize, and I've been talking about it on the air. In, in depending upon your state, I, I live in New Jersey, but there's different rules everywhere. And I would never jump the line or take it away from any, you know, anybody that was elderly or healthcare. But what happens is in some of these pharmacies at the end of the day, if they didn't use all the vaccine, they have to use it. So you can get on yeah. these wait lists. And if you're flexible, you can you can run there and get it. And that's exactly what happened. I went to a CVS and it was the end of the day. And they were literally calling out into the store, hey, we got three doses we need to use. Anybody want it from people shopping? Oh so if yeah, you get on these lists that, and you're right, right time, right place, you can get it because you're not taking it from anyone. It's just it was going to go to waste. They need to use it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going to. It's going uh, to start getting start easier gonna... for everybody soon. Yeah. That's but Maria, check that out because you might be able to get to it sooner. Yeah, I will. I'm going to start making more calls and stuff like that. Because I, I feel like you, I feel like I'm going to just feel so, I don't want to have to worry anymore. I can just go do what I got to do and just feel free again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, we've all been through this and, and over it. So the sooner we can get everybody back out there and get to see, you know, bands like in this moment and everybody else, I know everybody's chomping at the bit for it. So we look forward to that announcement for the tour. That's going to be some, some great news and hopefully it comes off and everybody check out mother it's out now. And that's the latest record and uh, hope to see both of you out there somewhere at a show sometime soon and keep us posted on what's going on. Hit me up anytime when the tour is announced, you need the word out. We're, we're here. Awesome. Thank you, Eddie. You, it, yeah. It's such a pleasure to talk to you again. Thank you so much. And we'll talk, look forward to seeing you on the road as well. Yep, for sure. Take care. Thanks, brother. Bye-bye. Thanks to Marie and Chris from In This Moment, and thanks earlier to Alice Cooper. Appreciate you guys listening to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Please be sure to follow me on social media, at Eddie Trunk, especially Twitter and Instagram, where I am most active. Fan page on Facebook, EddieTrunk.com is the official online home. Tons of appearances with ticket links. They're all right on the homepage of the site, music news, and a whole lot more. And uh, thanks to Joel Pollack for producing the podcast. And don't forget to listen to me each and every day, Monday through Friday, live, Sirius XM, volume, channel 106, talking rock with you, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, nightly re-airs, 10 to midnight Eastern, and anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. Have yourselves a great week, everybody. And I will catch you next Thursday for another all-new episode. Take care. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.